John 15. Uh, over the last couple of weeks, it's been a little bit of a roller coaster of emotions in the book of John, right? If you've been with us, like we've been in John now, I think for over a year. I think this is like our 49th sermon on the book of John. And so when you count some of the holiday stuff and different one-offs that we've had, it's been about a year that we've been in the book of John. It's been pretty awesome. I've loved it. I've never had the opportunity to preach through John. And so this has taken on new life and meaning for me. It's been beautiful. But the last couple of weeks have been a little bit of a roller coaster as we have the last few hours of Christ's earthly ministry. The themes over the last few chapters that have been taking place, just like I said, these last few hours of Jesus' last night before he's arrested and crucified. It's been a roller coaster. It's been up and down and up and down, right? During their Passover meal, the Last Supper, right? You know that one where we have that beautiful picture of them all sitting on the same side of the table together, right? You guys know that one? Chapter 13, the Last Supper, Jesus gets up from the table and he shows them what real love is, this new love, a love that where where the rabbi, where the teacher, where the master humbles himself and he washes their feet. He washes their worst parts Verse 12 of chapter 13, it says, When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments, he resumed his place and he said to them, Do you understand what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done for you. Right? So he is teaching them what love, what real love looks like, what love in service looks like. And that is a huge upswing. The master is teaching them, showing them real humble love, this new commandment that love is service of others. But a few verses later in chapter 13, he tells them that Judas is going to betray him. That Peter, their leader, is going to deny him. And that's a huge bummer, right? So he got this roller coaster going from highs to lows. He's telling them this stuff that when it happens, that they would know that it's all going according to plan. Remember that sermon a few weeks ago? And it's all going according to plan. And even today, it's still all going according to plan. Right? When you make all things work together for my future, for my good, for your glory, we can trust that it is still all going according to plan. Do you realize that COVID, Trump, Biden, mandates, lockdowns, Russia, gas prices, it's all still going according to plan. Let that mess with you for a minute. It's all, he has not lost control. He's still working and willing for his glory, which is our good, to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So Judas is the betrayer. Peter is the denier. And on top of it, Jesus says, I'm leaving you and you can't come with me. That's a pretty huge bummer. That's a pretty huge low part here in this roller coaster. But then at the beginning of 14, he says, let not your heart be troubled, believe. He says, I'm going away, but I'm going to prepare a place for you in the Father's house. And I'm going to come back, and I'm going to take you to be with me. I'm going to get your room ready. That's a pretty big high part, right? That's pretty, 
pretty awesome, something to celebrate. And then it gets better. Because then he promises the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in his name, and he's going to give them, leave them with peace. Not as the world gives peace, not circumstantial peace, but his peace. An indwelt peace. A peace rooted not in circumstances, but a peace rooted in the presence of the person of God, the Holy Spirit himself. He promises his peace. That is something to celebrate. That is huge. And then in chapter 15, he tells him that he's the true vine. He's the one coming to fulfill Israel, that they must abide and remain and stay and live and dwell in him. And if they remain in him, abide in him, they will bear much fruits. Not only that, the vine dresser, God the Father, he's going to prune them. He's going to cultivate them. Yes, there will be some cutting and probably some trials, but like a good gardener, he takes care of his branches and they will bear even more fruits. That's something to celebrate and be grateful for. That's a high part. That's a, that's a high point in our roller coaster. And now, he did mention some other branches that didn't bear fruit. Branches that didn't abide in him. They didn't bear fruits. And they were gathered and they were thrown into the fire, destroyed. It's because they didn't remain. They didn't abide. They didn't stay in Christ and his word. But at the end of that passage, he says this in verse 11. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. So over the last couple of chapters, we've heard him, we've, we've seen him display the most beautiful and perfect love in serving his disciples. We've heard him promise his peace in the presence of the Holy Spirit in their lives. And he is teaching them and showing them to abide in him that their joy may be full. Are you joyful? Is it a joy to follow Jesus and to be called his? See, Christ called you. If you are in Christ Jesus, if you are a Christian, a follower of Christ, he called you, and it is Christ who keeps you. We die to ourselves, we abide in him, we abide in his words, and we will bear the fruit of obedience and so prove to be his disciples. Do you have joy in that today? Or are you getting bogged down like, I got to keep his commands, I got to keep his commands, I got to keep his commands. Oh, like it is work, it is work, it is work. But remember, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. It's not that we can't obey. It's not that we shouldn't obey. It's not that it's impossible to obey, but the obeying is fruit of abiding. That's the whole point of that, that, that you can have joy in Christ Jesus because if you abide in him and you abide in his word, you will obey. You will bear the fruit of obedience. I'm telling you this so that it's joyful, not a burden. I'm telling you this, that your joy may be full and that you're not bogged down like, oh, I'm not good enough again. You're not. We're not. I'm not. But Christ is. When you abide in him, when you abide in his word, you will bear fruit of obedience and so prove to be his disciples. What a joy it is to follow Jesus. Today, I hope that you realize that. I hope 
you realize the joy, not just like realize it like mental ascent, but that you experience the joy of being in Christ and that he will never cast you out. All that the Father has given to me, I will never cast out. Praise be to God. So let's read our text here today. Continue on in John chapter 15. Certain verse 18 today, it says this. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. The first time we heard that was in chapter 13. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things, all these things they will do to you on the account of my name because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoke to them, they would not have been guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen and hated both me and my father. But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without cause. Verse 26, but when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the father, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the father, he will bear witness about me. Get this, in verse 27, and you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. Let's pray and then we'll continue on. Father, once again, we come before you and I ask for humble hearts. I ask for my heart to be soft today, God. I pray for each person in this room for a soft heart that you and your spirit can do your work. God, for those in this room that are apart from you, God, draw them to you today. For those in this room, God, that need, that need some pruning today, thank you that you're faithful to purify us, wash us with your word, refine us, that we might bear more fruit, more obedience to the glory of Christ. So God, today, give us humble hearts to hear your word and become obedient, worshipful doers of it. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. So our text today explains that the world will hate the followers, the true followers of Christ. Those who are abiding in Christ and abiding in his word. Does that make anyone else a little bit uncomfortable? Like anybody else in here like struggle a little bit with people pleasing? Like you care about what people think of you and you don't want to be hated by people. And so like I was telling a story about me in high school. Um, I... I was a believer. I was a Christian, but I kept my head down because I didn't want to cause any trouble. My high school was a little bit rough, but because of that, I also didn't have a lot of friends, but I didn't want to cause a stir. I didn't stir. I didn't want anyone to think ill of me. But our text today says that if any, like the world is going to hate the followers of Christ. If you are in Christ Jesus, abiding in him, abiding, truly abiding in his word, that the world is going to hate us. That's who we are. That's who we are. The world hates us because it hates Jesus. We are a hated people. I was thinking about it this week. Do we realize just how different we are than the world? And not like like we're different. Not like like we listen to a lot of K-Love different. Okay? Not like we have a 
Jesus fish on a bumper of our car different? Not just because we're sitting here on a Sunday instead of golfing or fishing or catching up on yard work different. We're different because we have seen the light of Christ. See, the world and the church are as different as night and day, as light and darkness. John chapter 8, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. The church, those who abide in Christ, those who abide in his word, evidenced by fruit, by the fruit of obedience. That church, those followers, those disciples are called the light of the world in Matthew chapter 5. So he is the light of the world. We, the people of God, are the light of the world. And in John chapter, 1 John chapter 1, it says that the followers of God, the disciples of God, the children of God will no longer walk in darkness, but they will walk in his light. But the world is filled with darkness. Let's read John chapter 1, uh, 1 John chapter 1, starting in verse 5, it says this, This is the message that we have heard from him and proclaim to you, that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from every sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Praise God. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. I love, honestly, like, as we've been going through the book of John, you guys should read 1 John as well. Read 1 John, read 2 John. Like, it, they go together so beautifully. So the difference between those who follow Christ and those who don't is black and white. It's light and darkness. And darkness, when you use that metaphor, it's not just ignorance. Right? A lot of times it is. It's partly that. Right? A symbol of, of, of not knowing. And that's part of it. But darkness is used as a symbol of evil, of rebellion to the creator and to the design of the creator, to the word of God, rebellion to the precepts of God. D.A. Carson, in his commentary on the book of John, he says, in John's gospel, the world... Greek word cosmos, commonly refers to as the created moral order in active rebellion against God. Okay, so when you're speaking of the world, it's that created order that is in active rebellion against God. So the world hates Christ. It's an active rebellion against Him. And because we belong to Him, because we abide in Him, because we abide in His Word, hold fast to his word, bear the fruit of obedience to his word, we are hated too. If you remember back in John chapter 3, verse 19, it says, And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and the people love the darkness rather than the light, because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works be exposed but whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it might be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Again, 1 John, 
This time, chapter 2, it says this in verse 3. And by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Remember, if you love me, keep my commands and so prove to be my disciples, as we read. Verse 4 says, whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commands is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, and him tru- in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Verse 7, beloved, I am writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is that the word that you have is is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I am writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. The world is full of darkness. We who are in Christ Jesus, children of God, walk in the light of Christ. And the world hates Jesus because he testifies that its works are evil. And the world hates us because we bear witness to the light of Christ. Just a couple days ago, we were driving around. I think it was me and the kids in the car. And um, small kids were in the back seat, kind of doing small kid things. And so they were just chatting and whatever. And, but me and the 14-year-old, me and my oldest, we were in the front seat. And we drove by a church. And uh, churches always have those little signs out front, right? They, somebody's got to be responsible for that, some church secretary or something like that. A lot of times they're cute and they're funny. And sometimes they're just super corny, super cheeseball, right? Like, Come on, hot outside, come on in here. We're prayer conditioned, right? Or something like that, right? You've, you've, you've seen them. You've chuckled at them. You've shaken your head going, okay, we're supposed to be different than the world, but not, that's not the marker. That's not the thing. And we're just cheesy. We drove past one the other day, though, and um, it, it kind of made me angry. And on the surface, it's one of those, like, soft kind of things that when you just read it, and if you don't, like, think about it at all, it feels kind of touchy-feely and good. But it said, I have to make sure that I get it right. <clears throat> we are all God's children. All are welcome here. And I had to pause. And I went, Ugh. and I'm like, I'm, I, maybe I'm reading into it a little bit because of we're, we were in the month of June, right? June has been taken over by the rainbow flag, right? You've got pride month you've got like and we're trying to be gracious and we're trying to be loving and we're trying to reach out to our community that is ultimately of the world and in rebellion towards God and his design and I paused and I had to like I wanted like this was a teaching moment for my 14 year old I said you know what we are not all God's children only those born of God are God's children okay and yes like I used to field calls when I was down in Bayview, and I would do a lot of visitor calls, and I would get the question, is everybody welcome in your church? I'm like, of course. Anybody can walk in the doors of our church, but please explain to me what you mean by that. Because usually it's a loaded question, meaning do you affirm certain lifestyles and certain sins? And so... Only those born of God are children of God. We are all created in the image of God, whether you know God, 
trusting God, have been born of God or not. You are valuable and have worth because you were created in the image of a creator. But you were created in the image of a creator to carry out the creator's design. And so I had to explain to my son, like, listen, only those who are born of God are children of God. And if you're born, like, when you come into the light, you no longer walk in darkness. And I'm, I'm frustrated with churches, and I, I don't want to jab churches, but I'm frustrated with churches that are trying, uh, maybe even with some good heart, but there is a difference between the church and the world, and stop blurring that line. Stop blurring that line. Stop incorporating sin or being light with sin because you um, either want to reach out or want to build a bridge. Like you still, like what kind of gospel are we calling people to? That's my question. Anyone is welcome in church. And when they come into a church, I hope they hear the gospel of Jesus that calls them to be born again by the Spirit of God. To turn from their sin and come in line with the design of the Creator. Chapter 3 of 1 John, it says, See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared, but what we know is that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Verse 4, everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he has appeared in order to take away sin, praise God. And in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or know him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason why the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. Those who are born of God are children of God, evidenced by abiding in Christ and abiding in his word and thus bearing the fruit of obedience and proving to be his children. Only those born of God are children of God. And instead, we have churches who have churchgoers deceived. There's little difference between the church and the world. Maybe a little bit more love, maybe a little bit more good deeds, but do you see how crafty our enemy is? forced to say things like, I'm not here to judge. No, but you're here to abide in the light of Christ, to walk in that light, and to hold out that light and expose darkness. That's what light does. It lights up the darkness. It lights up the deeds. It lights up the actions and exposes them for what they are. 
And unfortunately, we have churches for the sake of acceptance, we turn a blind eye to sin. For the sake of relevance and attraction, we try to make our churches more approachable for the world. We end up using a false gospel at worst and an incomplete one at best. And I'm not talking about styles, okay? I'm not talking about lights and smoke and music and fancy illustrations or whatever it is. I'm talking about the preaching of the Word of God. We wrap it all up in soft, fluffy phrases like love your neighbors. When in reality, we're soft on rebellion. We're soft on sinful autonomy. We're soft on prideful self-indulgence. We're soft on the lordship of Jesus. We end up creating a God that fits our worldview, and we preach it. We preach it to others. There's churches full of people. Like, I have conversations all the time, and and there's people who are cherry-picking what parts of the scriptures that they're going to follow, that they're going to adhere to. And they say things, well, like, the God I serve wouldn't do that. The God I serve, like... If it's in the word, that's the God you serve. It's not. If it's not, you've made up another God. We've fashioned a God in our own image. We've fashioned a God that fits our worldview. Those who have been born of God abide in Christ, abide in his word, and bear the fruit of obedience. I trust him in his word. I trust the design of the designer. I trust him, and I hand my life over to him. And obedience to his word. It's not loving. To do, any other, to do any other thing is not loving. It's actually hateful. I came across Isaiah 5 this week. And I thought it fit so beautifully where we've been at the last couple of weeks. Isaiah chapter 5, verse 1. I'm going, to read, I'm going to jump around a little bit, so if you're, uh, Bill, try to follow me. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm going to jump. Um, verse 1 says, Let me sing for my beloved my love song concerning his vineyard. Remember, this is Israel. My beloved had a vineyard on a very fertile hill. He dug it and cleared it of stones, and he planted it with choice vines. He built a watchtower in the midst of it, He hewn out a a wine vat in it, and he looked for it to yield grapes, but it yielded wild grapes. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more was there to do for my vineyard than what I have done in it? When I look for it to yield grapes, why did it yield wild grapes? And now I tell you. What I will do to my vineyard, I will remove its hedge, and it shall be devoured. I will break down its wall, and it shall be trampled down. I will make it a waste, and it shall not be pruned or hoed, and briars and thorns shall grow up. I will also command clouds that no rain may come upon it. Let's continue to jump down here. So you have this picture of a vine and a vine dresser. You have a picture of a vineyard. You have these branches that are supposed to yield grapes, but they're yielding wild grapes. And further down in verse 8, he starts pronouncing woes. Starts pronouncing woes on Israel. If you go through, go to it, it uh, all the way down to the very, uh, let's go all the way down to 20. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. 
How, how horrific is it to incorporate sinful rebellion to the plan and the design of God or to ignore the precepts to God, of God altogether? To call something that is so dark, to call it light and to celebrate but we do it all the time. It doesn't matter what sin it is. We do it all the time. Like where we pick certain things that we are comfortable with and we adhere to it. We pick certain things that we are uncomfortable with and we just seem to ignore them. But those who abide in Christ and abide in his word and they bear the fruits of obedience and so prove to be an actual follower of God. Woe to the churches, woe to the leaders who incorporate rebellion and darkness into the message of the church as if it were gracious and loving. You're not enlightened. We're not enlightened. We're not woke. We're deceived and we're deceiving others. And those branches that don't bear fruit are in danger of the fire of destruction. And so we abide. We abide in Christ. We abide in his word and bear the fruit of obedience. We bear witness to the light and the world will hate us for it. Let's read our text again. John chapter 15, verse 18 says, If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own, but because you are not of the world, because I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. Remember, that's the second time that Jesus said that. The first time was back in John 13 when he washed their feet, right? Taught them how to love, taught them how to serve one another. And he basically said, I've given you an example that if me, the rabbi, if me, your, your teacher, you're supposed to do the same thing. Here it's the same thing. A servant is not greater than his master that... They persecuted Christ. You can count on. You should be sure of. Don't be surprised when they persecute us, when they hate us. We're not exempt from it is basically what he's saying. We're not exempt from being hated or being persecuted. If you read this a certain way, it is a beautiful promise of God. Sounds twisted, doesn't it? When we talk about the promises of God, we talk about like all those uh, fun, soft ones, right? That he's never going to leave me or forsake me, right? Which is true. It's beautiful. It's awesome. But this too is a promise of God. This too is a prophetic word for us followers centuries later that since they hated him and persecuted him, if we hold fast to him and his word, they're going to hate us and persecute us as well. Don't be surprised. And don't run from it. Don't turn from it. It is a fruit of abiding. It is a fruit of being in Christ Jesus. It is a natural outcome of loving his word and holding fast to it and not compromising on any of it. You guys still in? Who's still in? Okay. We will be hated and we will be persecuted. Wear it well. Okay? 
You're not to be hated for being a jerk, by the way. You're not to be hated by being a punk and like all like but for holding fast to Christ and holding fast to his word, you will be hated. Are you hate are you persecuted? If you're not, why not? And I can only come up with two 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 ways, two reasons why we're not. I mean, there's probably others. But two in our scriptures. Are we abiding? The first part is are we abiding? We're abiding in Christ and abiding in his word. We're going to bear that fruit of obedience. We're going to live it out, and the world's not going to like it. So if we're abiding in him, chances are we're going to be hated and persecuted by the world. Second part is, are you holding out the light of Christ into this dark world? And this is where I think a lot of us believers really fall short. I don't mean to, I'm not trying to guilt you because I don't want this to come out of guilt. I want this to come out of a move of the Holy Spirit in your life. Let's read the last few verses of our text again, verses 25 through 27. It says this, But the word that it was written uh, in their law must be fulfilled that they hated me without cause. Verse 26, this is really where I want to be. But when the Helper comes, right, we've already talked about the Holy Spirit. When the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me, and you will also bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. Okay, so Jesus promises the Holy Spirit, right? Tells them to go wait. They go wait in the upper room. Holy Spirit comes on the church, and what happens? Ignited with the power of God. They were cowering in fear. Peter, their leader, can't even stand up to a little girl in a courtyard and say that he belongs with Christ. He is that scared. Holy Spirit, that Jesus promised, comes on him, bold, preaches proclaims Christ, proclaims the good news of Christ, and thousands join the church that day. Okay? We are to hold out the light of Christ, to bear witness. The Holy Spirit is supposed to be in your life in a powerful way so that you will be bold to share the light of Jesus into the darkness of this world. And when you do it, they're going to hate you for it. Some are going to see, right? You grab this. Where did I put my Bible? Oh, it's on the back table. Grab that Bible. That's your flashlight, right? The word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my Grab that Bible. You're on a recon mission. You are going to find some who will believe. Take the light of the word of God and head out into the dark world. Some are going to see Christ. Some are going to behold Christ. Some are going to put their faith in Christ, and we will rejoice. A bunch of them are going to hate you. A bunch of them are going to persecute you because they're looking at you, and they're looking at all the people that you're trying to uh, read, their mind be renewed by their, their, they're conformed to the world, right? You hold out the word of God. They're transformed by the renewing of their mind to the truth of Jesus Christ. It's treason. You've turned, their back, you've turned your back on the world. You've turned your back on their ways. They're going to hate you for it. Don't be surprised. It is a beautiful, beautiful thing to be found in Christ. To be marked with trial and persecution. It means that I belong to him. It means that I'm living in the will of God, obedient 
to his word. I'm not experiencing a lot of persecution right now. Am I okay? Maybe. Maybe it's a season where you're not. Abide. Abide in his word. Bear the fruit of obedience. And hold out the light. And don't be surprised when they hate you. But wear it well. And bring glory to Christ. The world. See, do you understand? Like, this group of people is God's plan. (laughs) This is God's design for the salvation of the world. That Christ would reveal himself to us. Illuminate our hearts that we would know him. And then come down in the Holy Spirit and fill us, indwell us, so that we would go as broken, feeble, sometimes terrified individuals out into a dark world and share him. This was the plan. He knew what he was doing. He is with you. So let's boldly live to the glory of Christ, obedient to his word, holding out the light of Christ. I'm going to pray. Nate's going to come. We're going to worship. I'm going to ask that you respond. This time here, like, I hold it out, and now you got to do something with it. And so in your life, if you need to repent between you and, and God, repent. If you are not abiding, repent and get in. If you are not, like, please, I don't want this filled with guilt. I want this filled with joy and freedom in him because it is, he is faithful with his spirit to do all this in your life. Be soft. Be soft and then be bold by the spirit of God. So I'm going to pray. And then you do some business with God. I'm going to have Nate just wait before he starts singing. When he starts singing, then you stand and you sing as well. So Jesus, thank you for this morning. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your spirit alive in us and that between the word and between the spirit, we lack nothing. I thank you for what you've done in our hearts and what you're doing in our hearts. Continue, God, to show us you. Show your light into our hearts, God. Where there is sin, God, convict us. Help us to turn and repent and to confess that to you because you are faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us. Cleanse us. God, where we're not abiding, God, help us to abide in you. Help us to rest in your presence. Help us to spend time in your word, to let that word wash over us sanctify us and cleanse us like you do to your bride, the church, to us. God, thank you that you do that. Wash us with your word. Help us to abide in that word and bear that beautiful fruit that you promised. So proving to be your disciples. God, when we're faced with opposition, when we're faced with hatred, when we're faced with persecution, Help us to love those enemies. The best way we can love them, God, is to point them to your word. The best way we can love anybody is to point them to you, to hold out the light of Christ. God, I pray that we would stand strong. I pray that we would not back down. 
I pray that we wouldn't be jerks. <laughs> God, I pray that we would stand firm. Knowing that we belong to you. They hated you and they're going to hate us. We've got nothing in common with this world. Help us to walk in you. To walk in the light. We thank you. We praise you. Just take a moment. Continue in prayer in your own hearts, in your own minds. When Nate starts singing, let's stand and let's worship our God together.